The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Today we are continuing our series to the ends of the earth, uh, and we have a guest preacher with us. This is Pastor Lohmeyer. Um, for the past, coming on five years, um, our student ministry has partnered with Pastor Lohmeyer and his congregation doing mission trips to West Virginia. Um, and so we are so excited for him to be able to be here today with to share with us about that partnership. Um, many of our students, students in high school and college age, um, have been impacted as they have gone and served um, in his congregation in their community. And so we are so grateful with Pastor Lohmeyer for him to be here um, and to share with us today. If you could give him a welcome um, to faith this morning. Thank you. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've worked with Dave Frank for four or five years now, and probably as some of you know, when he says, I need to talk to you, the red flag should go up because it usually means some kind of job that he wants you to do. And so it was last spring when the high schoolers were in town, he said to me one day, Pastor, I need to talk to you, and uh, he said, we're having a mission emphasis in August, and I want you to come up and be a part of that if you could. And after a little thought, I told him yes, and my wife Judy and I are pleased to be with you on this glorious weekend up here in Michigan. And I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ, from that little flock down there in Alderson, West Virginia. On this day, they continue to find themselves, as you probably would guess, in the midst of flood recovery. And so they are working hard as we, as a group dedicated to bringing relief to those who so desperately need help. And that help is not just helping to rebuild their homes and businesses, it's very much a spiritual help as well. We have people who really believe that God was so angry at them that He sent the, the devastating waters in an attempt to do damage to them. Others are traumatized. When we get a rain at night, they feel that closing in, that pressure on their chest, difficulty breathing because they're thinking in their minds, here we go again. And so there is much to be done down there, and I have say it with pride, I guess, maybe it's sinful pride, but the Lutherans, the Lutherans are the only church in Alderson that are doing long-term flood relief like we are. And that brings me to say thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your generosity, for the more than $7,000 that you sent to us. Be assured those funds will be used to help those people in our community who need it. We've been blessed to receive 
a lot of funds from across our land, especially from our church and church body and Lutherans living around our, the states. We're using those funds to help people rebuild their homes, to help them buy the needed things. In many cases, they have lost everything. A young family across the street from me with two young children lost everything in their home, including their vehicles. They left with the clothes on their back because of the fast-rising waters. So thank you once again. From the bottom of my heart and our congregation thanks you as well. In the rolling hills, flatlands sometimes of north-central Kansas, there's a country church named St. John's Lutheran. It lies about six miles south of my hometown, which is Lynn, Kansas, if you're familiar with that community. St. John's Lutheran Church is easily spotted as you drive down Highway 15. If you look to the east, there you'll see the church out there on the flatlands, surrounded by cornfields and soybean fields and farmers. It sits out there as a symbol of faith, a parsonage to the left of the church, a school to the right of the church, a teacherage further to the right where the called teacher principal lived, a big steeple pointing up to the sky, glistening in the sun, St. John's Lutheran Church. It was my mother's home congregation. And there was a pastor there who baptized my mother and so many others because he was there for 50 years. Think of that. 50 years, his only call, he served that parish. And one can only begin to wonder how many baptisms he officiated, how many marriages, how many deaths, how much joy, how much frustration, how much sometimes even defeat he experienced. Pastor J.B. Keller, when talking about missions one time at a congregational meeting, made an interesting statement. He said to the congregation, the door is open. Let them come. The door is open. Let them come. How different from you and I today, how different what our Lord says in Scripture, that we are to go out and take the good news of God's love and forgiveness to the world. To the nations. And so we do that. And we do that in a lot of ways. And this morning, would you turn in your Bibles to our text that I'm using? It is Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. It is verses 3 through 10. There the Apostle Paul is writing to a mission congregation, a rather new congregation, and he's talking about mission work but more importantly, talking about partnership that I want to speak to you about this morning. I am reading from the ESV translation. St. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. St. Paul's work at the congregation in Philippi got off to a pretty rocky start. St. Paul went to that town by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and as one steady scripture, one in fact wonders, wonders how this congregation could grow so spiritually well-developed that Paul would commend it, commend it more than any other congregation as he writes to those early churches. Philippi is described as a leading city in the district of Macedonia. We believe that there was no Jewish synagogue there because that's where Paul usually began his ministry when he went into a new town. But instead, Paul, Silas, and Timothy went down by the river on Sabbath day to pray. There there were some women who joined him in prayer, and one of them especially, Lydia, was converted, believed in Christ, and was baptized, and her whole family as well. The results of that was that she invited them to lodge at her house. But as always is the case, when the gospel is proclaimed, not everybody believes. There are those who reject the gospel, and so it was with those who were handlers of a Jewish girl who was demon-possessed, demon-possessed and was a fortune teller. And as a fortune teller, she had handlers who used her to make money for them. When she was freed of the demon that possessed her, she was no longer good for business. She was no longer good for business, and her owners recognized that And so as a result, they had Paul, Silas, and Timothy severely beaten and thrown into jail. You remember what happened next, I'm sure, because it's a story about the jailer, Philippi. That earthquake and Paul and Silas and Timothy in their jail singing praises to God. And the earthquake came and they were freed from their shackles. The jailer felt that everybody escaped. He was going to commit suicide. But what happened? Paul hollered out, we are all here. The jailer and his family were all baptized by Paul that evening. Next day, they were sent on their way. And be assured, they were told not to come back to the city. Hardly a way that Paul or any other pastor would want to begin a new mission start. When we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as Paul writes to this congregation, it's a joyful thing, isn't it? 
I hope it is for you. And so as we listen to our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is overflowing with joy and thanksgiving, and he speaks about the fellowship, the partnership that he has with this congregation. He speaks about what it means to him and what it means to the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul is filled with joy knowing that those first efforts, that when he began that congregation, has blossomed and bloomed and produced fruits, fruits of righteousness, as he called them in our text. That Greek word koinia is a strong word. It means fellowship, a fellowship between individuals. Sometimes it's used as fellowship between God, but especially between others. Here it's translated as partnership. And Paul had experienced that partnership, that bond between this congregation and himself at Philippi, and it brought him great joy and hope. By the grace of God, Faith Lutheran and Christ our Savior Lutheran has formed a partnership a few years ago. I suppose like every other partnership, we didn't know at first how well it was going to work. We probably were a little nervous. I don't really remember that, but we probably were. After all, on a first date, you never know what might happen, right? But you see, in our baptism, we are united in faith, not only to each other, but we're united with our Lord as well. And we are called then to share His love and forgiveness to a world that is desperately looking for answers and looking for hope. Through our congregations, we are doing that. And even though they are many, many miles apart and so different in so many ways, In spite of all of those differences, the people of faith Lutheran and the people of Christ our Savior Lutheran are united by God's grace in a partnership, a partnership that is bringing hope and comfort to those who live and are directly affected by the work teams that do the work for them, by those who share words of encouragement by those who are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ crucified and risen, that gospel message, and that is done not just by word, but by deed and by the example that is set in our community. You should know that Christ our Savior reminds me a bit, a bit of that church in Philippi. We got off to a rocky start, I think. We are in our fifth location We're in a community that really thinks that Lutheranism is some kind of weird disease. I was asked my first year down there by a sincere lady. She came up to me and said, Pastor Lohmeyer, do Lutherans believe in Jesus? So you see, we have a lot to do in that community. We are the only fourth, only the fourth Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in the state of West Virginia. And where I live, it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to the nearest Lutheran church of any kind. Many of our members who come regularly on Sunday morning drive at least an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, to worship. And so we have a lot 
of educating to do. And I want to share this. The members of faith need to know what a tremendous impact your high school sons and daughters have upon our community. Upon our community. The hard work they do. The hard work they do when they replace a leaky roof and someone now has a dry house. The work they do when they build handicap ramps so that someone can easily get in or back out into their house. The work they do when they clean up a yard that restores the lost pride that its owner once had. All of those things, Lord, even those blessing gifts that are given, all of that are a testimony to the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and speaks volumes about what can happen What can happen when congregations and people partner together in mission work? And may I say this with pride because you should be proud too. You know what happens when those high school youth leave town? Well, a lot less excitement for sure, but more than that, You know what I hear on the streets? Pastor, those Lutheran kids are the most respectful kids I've ever seen. Pastor, they're such hardworking kids. I can't believe it. Pastor, you're telling me that they give up spring break, pay some money to come down here and work, sometimes in undesirable conditions? That's what they say. And you should be proud because they have a tremendous impact upon our community. Libby lived on a rock pile. It's really a side of a mountain. She lived in two old trailers that were put together by her deceased husband and they were leaking badly. Her sister asked me one day if if I could maybe find some help for her. And so we went and looked at the situation, and a couple of summers ago, a team came back and replaced her roof. But that wasn't Libby's only problem. She had other issues, especially spiritual. She had quit going to her church a long time ago, and she told me that she heard demons speaking, She said, they're speaking and they're trying to get into my house and get me. Once the roof was put on, her sister told me that she said, told her no longer do I have to be afraid because I know the demons can't get through that new roof. Because words of encouragement, because the gospel was shared with her by the work teams, she returned again to her church that she forsook a long time ago. Just one example of how we share God's love and we do it in both word and deed. Lutherans in partnership, making a difference in the world in which we live. 
wonderful results that should create all kinds of joy for us as we share God's love and forgiveness with those who need it in a world that is lost, that is steeped in sin and hopelessness. What a different attitude than Pastor Keller who said, the door is open, let them come. We are, after all, asked to teach all nations, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of His love and forgiveness, the message of a Savior who died on the cross, the message of a Savior who rose victorious on Easter morning over sin, death, and the devil, the message of a Savior who cares for them, who is not angry but loves them dearly, not just through word and deed, but also through love shown to the least of these, my brethren, who have never heard of Jesus. In the community of Alderson, more than 78% of the people do not attend worship on a given weekend. Yet through the work of your high school group, supporting adults, the message of God's love and forgiveness is having a profound effect, and the Holy Spirit is using that work to bring people to Christ. Last spring, a team, work team of yours, worked on Anne and Chris's trailer. They built a new roof over it and put a new front porch on it. Chris and Anne had been baptized a long time ago, but it had been a long, long time since they'd been to worship. While the team was there, they encouraged them to get down to Pastor Lohmeyer's church, as someone told me. They also even encouraged them to get married. Well, we've talked about marriage, and they are worshiping at our parish. And a couple of times, Sundays ago, Anne said to me, Pastor, we really, really like it here. Like it here. And see, see, all of that, all of that is the result of that partnership that we have with faith, Lutheran, and Christ our Savior as we go about reaching out into our community. God uses that work, and He moves His people to share with others what He means to them. By the grace of God, we have, after all, this life-saving message, the opportunity to make an internal difference in the lives of those we come in contact with. You can do what Chrissy did. Christy came to me when I was pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Her son was enrolled in our preschool, and she came to me one day and said, Pastor, I want I want what my son has. And I said, what is that? She says, every evening when I give him his bath, he starts singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, shortly after that, Chrissy was indicted, found guilty of dealing drugs through the mail, a federal offense. She was scheduled to report to prison, but during that time before she reported, she was wearing an ankle bracelet released to home confinement. It was during that time that together we studied God's Word. She was baptized and became a member of our parish down there. 
When it was time for her to report to prison, I sent her some devotional material. And it was some weeks later that I drove to Tallahassee to visit her in prison. As we were talking, she said, Pastor, don't forget to send me portals of prayer. I thought to myself, wow, she must be using them. And so I said, you like to read them, huh, Christy? That's good. Oh, no, she says, I use them. I use them. I said, you use them? Every night, she said. Every night, 10 to 15 women gather around my bunk, and I read portals of prayer in the Scripture assigned to each page to them. You, my friends, can be a missionary. I don't recommend you go to prison to do that, but I, you can do it by the grace of God and the power of God's Spirit wherever you are. Whoever you come in contact with, you can have a conversation about Jesus. You can do something good for a neighbor. All of that, you see, is part of taking the good news of God's love and forgiveness to a world that needs to hear that. So what can I say, finally? Keep up the good work? I guess I could say that, but that sounds a little trite. I like what the Apostle Paul said as he prayed for that congregation, he said, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That, my dear friends, is also my prayer for you. Why? Because when all of those things are working together, when all of those things are happening, when you find excellence in the name of Jesus Christ, then I know you are going to be a people of God who is reaching out to the ends of the earth. You are going to be a congregation that partners with other people, and they will produce great things just like the partnership with my congregation that I am so pleased to be a part of does. It produces good things, and we sing God's praises for all of that. And one final thought, one final thought, as far as the members of faith are concerned, I like what the Apostle Paul said. He finished and said that he who began this good work in you will bring it to completion all the day of Jesus Christ. May that be true for you by God's grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen. When the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians, I always pray with joy because of, our par- because of your partnership in the gospel. There's something special about that kind of relationship. See, the Apostle Paul, as a missionary, as a church planter, he's saying, that, he's saying their partnership is what brings him joy. So not simply the results of his mission work, 
but the partnership, their work, and his work together. And that's, that's the kind of partnership we have with Pastor Lohmeyer's congregation. It's that very reason um, that we invited him to come here today, because our partnership is, is a mutually beneficial partnership. You hear him speak of the joy that it's brought people in his community, the, the joy that it's brought to their congregation, to, to the people of West Virginia. And many of us here have also experienced the joy that it's brought to our people. That to, to our students, as they return home from the trip, as we get to hear about the stories of the life change that is a result of being on these mission trips. And it's that, and it's that kind of joy that comes in the partnership of the gospel. See, what, what happens on these mission trips is that not only are people being served, but the people who are doing the serving are being served by Jesus. As people are giving to others, Jesus is giving to them. When I was a sophomore in high school, I had my first opportunity to go on a mission trip. And as a sophomore in Mexico, there was something about that trip, that experience, that, that it changed something for me. My, my connection to our student ministry, to the relationships that I formed, and the way I thought about my relationship with God after being on the mission field forever changed. And what I learned very quickly is that when I was in Mexico serving other people, at the end, I found out that God was serving me all along, teaching me, informing me, and molding me. And it's because of that that we want to encourage you to think about mission trips, to consider the partnerships that we have with people all throughout the world. Throughout the series, we've been talking about to the ends of the earth. And, and while, while to going to the ends of the earth can mean doing something like going to your own backyard, we also want to challenge you and encourage you to think about our short-term mission opportunities. We have several different partnerships I want to make you aware of. We have opportunities to go to Kazakhstan. We have partners in Brazil and Haiti. We actually have two different opportunities that are going to be for families to do a mission trip together. One of those will be in West Virginia, partnering with Pastor Lohmeyer's congregation. Another will be in Marquette, Michigan, partnering with Victory Lutheran. Our student ministry will have opportunities coming up in West Virginia, the Dominican Republic, and Mexico. Um, there's also going to be a, a new mission trip starting for, for men, a construction mission trip in Mexico just for men. See, missions are an opportunity to not simply believe the good news, but for us to become more and more like Christ as we go out and share that good news. And so I want to encourage you to think about a mission trip today. Maybe some of you, it's been on your heart that, that you've had um, on your heart. You've thought about it before, but you've never actually taken the step to try to get more information. If you've been in the gym throughout this sermon series, you'll see that there are tables set up all around the gym, set up with opportunities within our church, within our community, within our world. Today, I want to challenge you. If, you, if you've had on your heart stirring this idea of doing a mission trip, go to the right side of the gym. After service, and there'll be people there who are willing to share with you about the trips that they've experienced, the trips that they've been a part of, and you can just share your name, your contact information. That's not committing you or signing you up to anything. It's simply you saying, I would like to hear more. Because what we know about those opportunities is as you go and serve in those places, that God will be at work serving and sharing the same gospel with you that you are sharing with other people. Let's pray, and we will take some time to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Jesus, we thank you for bringing us here together today, for giving us the opportunity to come together and worship, to, to hear, and to be encouraged by our partnership in the gospel. 
Um, thank you for, for the promise that, that you are not angry with us, the promise um, that the good work that you began, begun in us, that, that you will carry it on into completion. And so I ask that you mold us, that you shape us, that you renew us, that you forgive us, that you remind us of that promise, the promise that our sins are forgiven, the promise that you are on our side. We ask that in these moments, as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, that you hear us now as we confess our sins quietly to you. The promise of Jesus is that our relationship with him is not dependent on what we do for him, but what he has done for us. The promise of Jesus to you this morning is that your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.